Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. People think it's about the act. You know how they say sex is not about sex. Sex is actually about power, right? That's just one aspect of um, what the act of sex is about. But to reach that point of understanding what sex is, we need to understand our understanding of sex and everything that goes around it, right? Hi, listeners. Melting Pot is privileged to be collaborating with the Zero Period for a series of conversations with their team on awareness about comprehensive sexuality education. The Zero Period is a non-profit organization. They're based out of India. They're working to enable comprehensive sexuality education in Indian schools. The theory of change that the organization follows is via teacher training to deliver comprehensive sexuality education curriculum to the pre-adolescent students. This helps in ensuring that their curriculum sustains in the schooling system through generations and it also is a driving force in the ecosystem level change in schools by involving adults and children alike. So presenting a very special series on Melting Pot in collaboration with The Zero Period. Hi everyone, uh, today I'm in conversation, as you can see, the beaming uh, Simran Nanda. Uh, Simran is a sexuality educator in um, with the Zero Period and as you're aware, the Zero Period and Melting Pot um, are sort of doing this very collaborative series because I think it's important um, uh, to have this conversation and uh, it's important for me also as Melting Pot to create a platform that can be used, um, you know, for further kind of uh, awareness. So thank you so much, Simran. I know you're on vacation and <laughs> you've taken time off to, to chat with me. So um, I'm really grateful for that. Um, so thank sure. you so much. No, you're welcome. I was actually uh, pretty much thrown away from work meetings because I was told that you better not log into work from vacation. And today morning, I just uh, surprised everyone on the meeting saying hi. I've opened my laptop and I'm going to work. So there's so much you can do to avoid me. So yes, I am here because I love doing what I do, to be very honest. So it's great to be sitting in Goa and be able to talk about what I like. So I'm generally going to have a good time, I'm sure. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so let's just get a little background on you, Simran, uh, before we kind of do a deep dive into what you love to do and what we're here to talk about. So um, I have actually been working in this space for pretty much since I was 14 or 15. 
my school, um, which is in New Delhi, was the first in the whole of India to talk about the queer community at the school level. And I just remember this was back in 2014 when uh, there was a um, there was a judgment where uh, 377 was decriminalized for a while, and then it was recriminalized by the Supreme Court. So this happened sometime around 2014, and so there were a lot of protests happening in Delhi. Delhi is anyway the capital for all political happenings. So there were a lot of protests around the city. And, um, you know, suddenly I'm seeing a lot of rainbow flags around me. And then my school gave me this platform to, you know, they started a campaign to talk about the queer community and just understand it as a student too. And I have been someone who's always been, um, you know, in the forefront of co-curriculars, like I've been a public speaker since I was a kid. So I'm that person who is always like extremely social. I, I love to take up responsibilities, uh, participate in competitions. So I took up this campaign and I still remember being trained about sexuality at the age of 14 by an organization called Kriya, which worked alongside NAS Foundation, which led the whole battle for Section 377 um, at, you know, um, at, at the local level. And I still remember, I was introduced to the idea of sexuality at the age of 14. I was told what the community stands about, um, what um, the problems the community faces in terms of when we had 377 back in the day and like a very simplified understanding of the law and its implications. And I remember that being my first brush with heterosexual privilege. So I think that was the starting point of my uh, understanding around the topic. And then um, I just honestly, I just resonated with it so much because uh, I come from uh, I come from a matriarchal family. I come from a family which has since generations been run by just women. So I feel like, to be very honest, I was pretty much born a feminist and I just found the perfect way to channelize it. And I show up as an empath in all aspects of my life. I'm an extremely sensitive person. I get affected by things happening around me. And I know that I have it in me to do something about it. I genuinely just took that personality trait, made it my strength, and worked the next five, six years in the space of fair uh, rights, sex education, and then gender-based violence, plus my own experiences growing up as a liberal-minded woman in a place like Delhi. Um, I just, I feel like I lived what I was doing at a personal level, and at the same time, I was uh, privileged enough to make myself understand that I could give myself the educational backing to do something about it at a professional level as well. So I feel like this whole space is very personal for me, like it is for anyone else. But um, I am actually on my way to make a profession out of it. I very recently um, got an offer from Boston College School in the US to join them for a master's in social work, which I hopefully will be taking on. And uh, so I am very I'm, I'm in this i'm in this it's like a it's like a lifelong service for me so that's where i'm coming from yeah okay wow that's that's very interesting and and for you to have clarity from 
you know, I mean, you got introduced to it and then um, at the age of 14 and then for you to have that clarity uh, and know the direction that you want to head in, um, that's quite commendable and also speaks volumes for, you know, like you said, um, your upbringing because it kind, you, you, you come from a matriarchal society, uh, a family, right? So, um, no, so that's, that's pretty pretty commendable so um so yeah so what um are some of the very very prevalent issues uh when it comes to um you know women's sex sexuality and how it's used against them from a very very young age um what are some of the instances that uh you can um you you can talk about or mention that actually equates to women um from a very young age being kind of um uh i don't know what the word is but you know women are all not marginalized will probably be uh the wrong word to use but you know there's always differentiated right so can you just take me through some of the stages of how that happens? So uh, as much as uh, you and I and probably anyone politically aware of how India functions and the value system on which so much of our society is based on, obviously, like you said, there is a divide, right? The way women are perceived, the way women are respected or not in society speaks a lot about how women have been placed in society since centuries. And um, bringing the aspect of women's sexuality, I feel like there are two, um, two extremes on which I think people usually operate, society operates. I think one extreme is being liberal, independent, uh, open-minded, open to exploring one's sexuality, open to knowing and trying to understand one's sexual rights and asserting them in spaces. And the other end is the oppressed end, right? The oppressed end where women are healing from uh, patriarchal societies, patriarchal families, and are constantly being um, hidden from being able to explore their sexuality. And at a certain point of time, people end up internalizing it. So you kind of place this inner limitation on yourself that this is the binary in which I want to know things. Like say, for instance, um, an oppressive, misogynistic, um, heterosexual relationship is something a lot of women grow up around, seeing around them in a place like India. And that's all they know. And simply because the oppression is internalized uh, to the point where women are not able to garner that there is more there is more than there is better so you know it's 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 not only societal pressure it's the pressure or the ideas and values value systems your generations of parents give you how um you where you grow up how you grow up who do you talk to um what traumas inculcate in your head to make you the person you are today so i feel like sexuality is used as a weapon against women in two very different ways and if i if i, I get a little more explicit um the simplest way to put it 
you know how they say a woman is either a crude either a crude or a slut these are two words which are very strongly associated and these are the two bipolar ends of the spectrum across which women are judged for their sexual choices so um yes i think there's this like the battle is so big that it not only exists like i said on one tangent but like you know there's a spectrum over which there is judgment from different aspects and different parts of society so i feel like yes so for starters i think this is where i can base my conversation hmm okay um what is the difference between gender and sexuality um you know there i mean a lot of people don't quite understand that so i think you know, coming from that space it would be interesting uh, to hear it from your perspective so uh, my gender is how i that i myself to be a woman or a man or neither or both so that is how i perceive myself to be and how you perceive yourself to be is also very closely bound with the society's idea of what gender expression looks like so if i am a woman i my gender is that of a woman and my expression is feminine so that's the binary in which people think what my sexuality is is so much more than that my sexuality is how i want to dress up how i want to talk how i want to walk who i want to talk to who i want to get romantically or intimately or physically involved with and um uh, that aspect of my behavior based on the gender i associate myself with uh, or i don't associate myself with is my sexuality so my sexuality is not something that is per se visual but more behavioral it's how uh, yes how i perform in society i mean my understanding of how we perform in like our sexuality our sexuality shows up in every aspect of our life like say for instance i am someone who identifies as a very liberal woman um in terms of expressing my sexuality and um in terms of giving someone else the space to express their sexuality which forms a base for how i present myself in society and professionally as well so sexuality is more behavioral and gender is more going to do more with how you identify yourself so that's it. okay okay interesting yeah Working in the treacherous and very niche space that is comprehensive sexuality education in India, the zero period depends upon donations and external funds by community members who believe in the mission and the vision of the organization. If you are willing and you're able to, please do donate to the crowdfunding campaign of the zero period by clicking on the link in the description. Thank you. Um so as a a comprehensive sexuality educator um what exactly do you do what is your role what is it that um you um 
you know, what kind of training is involved. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Because... I mean, under comprehensive sexuality um, education, there are so many pillars, right? So it's, I mean, there are so many different aspects, whether it's consent or um, whether it is, um, you know, uh, behavior, whatever it may be. So what are some of the different pillars, if you could just very quickly uh, take us through those that's one and two what is it that um, you do what aspect of uh, that sexuality um, education are you involved in all right so like you said um, the whole idea of comprehensive sexuality education is very fast now the biggest misconception which I feel like we are still not close to tapping into is that people think that CSE is about teaching people how to indulge in sex, the act. People think it's about the act. You know how they say sex is not about sex. Sex is actually about power, right? That's just one aspect of um, what the act of sex is about. But to reach that point of understanding what sex is, we need to understand our understanding of sex and everything that goes around it, right? So say, for instance, you um, meet a person and you would like to, say, indulge in an act with them. There are 10,000 different steps that you have to take together. Like I said, boundary setting, knowing where you want to stop, which also brings in the concept of consent. How do you verbalize telling someone what you want, what you don't want, what you like, what you don't like. That is the aspect of communication. Fourth of all, knowing how to protect yourself in terms of um, preventing STIs or unwanted pregnancies or um, just basic hygiene. That is where the knowledge of uh, knowing and understanding contraception comes in. So the idea of comprehensive sexuality education is very holistic. It's about how you present yourself in this whole space of knowing what your rights are, what do you want, at what point of time in your life do you want it, and how much of it, for how long, with what limitations. And you can't garner an understanding of it unless you have a holistic understanding of knowing what sexuality education is. One more very important aspect, which again, people get wrong. Number one was 
that it's all about sex. The other one is why do we want to talk about comprehensive sexuality education with students, with kids? And the answer is very simple: that the whole premise of comprehensive sexuality education is based on an age-appropriate model. I have worked with kids from kindergarten, nursery, up to university students, and now with the zero period, I'm working with teachers, which are also it's pretty synonymous to working with parents as well because so many of them are parents themselves yeah so working uh, on a spectrum uh, of of like a wide age group i can tell that age appropriate sex education is what we strive for right for a kindergarten kid or a kid in first grade it's important to understand what safe touch is what their private parts are what is okay to accept from a stranger what is it why is it important for you to say no why is it important for you to have a safe space little things right we are not going to go to first graders and tell them things that they would not be able to understand so the idea of age group and this intervention is important because if a first grader knows how to say no only then after 10 years or 8 years that they are um informed enough to put themselves as you know as sexually active people they can actually assert what they want and how they want it and that education has to start very soon right you know it's the same thing it's this it's just as important as any other soft skill right we teach our kids to um uh, say thank you to say no say yes be courteous all of that behavior and compasses into the person you become it becomes a part of your personality and humans are sexual beings right we are active sexual beings this is just as important as any other skill is so that's answering the first part of your question the idea of csc is very very perilous and age appropriate secondly what i do as an educator is that i have involved myself in two aspects from the last four years or so one being curriculum design so um, say all the interventions that i have done in terms of the material that is prepared to be presented to our target audience is where the research and the curriculum design understanding the demographic the target audience the kind of education they need the kind of topics which are important to put in the forefront are things that i consider when i do my research and make a comprehensive um manual say for instance so that is one part of what i do which is curriculum design the second part is public speaking because like i said i've been a speaker since i was a kid um i have uh, also delivered sessions I have talked to kids from first to second grade. I have talked to uh, pre-adolescent kids, fourth, fifth graders, teenagers. I have uh, also talked to girls in universities, uh, college students, eighteen to twenty-one, and it's been and now teachers too. It's been a very holistic experience. So, delivering content and making it is basically uh, the position in which I am right now as a sexuality educator. okay and um given your age okay um what kind of challenges do you face i mean i are, are you like teachers could be of different uh mindsets right so what kind of uh, <laughs> do you sometimes 
get like a roadblock where someone says, but why should we be listening to you? And who are you? And what's, what kind of authority do you have to speak about sexuality, you know, uh, and to try and train us and educate us. So do you sometimes have these roadblocks? I think I have grown up. Actually, the moment I realized that I have a voice, that I have opinions, is when I think um, a lot of people just started having an opinion on me having an opinion. You know, we are genuinely, and I will. I, I know it's a very strong claim to make, but it's a very firm belief that uh, at least in the Indian society opinionated women who know what they want, who know what they're speaking about, are sure and can back it with scientific, medical, factual information, are people who intimidate the general public. And I feel like I've been that person for so many people in my life, including my own parents. So the kind of questions that you've asked me around what kind of authority do you think you have? Why should we listen to you? Is something that I've actually been listening to ever since I had an opinion. I just feel like anyone who is trying to um, navigate conversations which are not conventional will face the struggle. As a young sexuality educator... So I have a question. Would it be the same for women and men or not? Oh, not at all. Not at all. Because, um, you know, I, I'm sure that you have uh, probably come across the same. Women are um, psychologically more careful when it comes to assertion. And men are psychologically fairly confident when it comes to assertion. And that's obviously because of the pre-conscious power they have grown around, right? The power of being okay and being motivated to have opinions and being respected for it. But if I, as a woman, um, do the same, I am faced with a lot of backlash. And personally, I have seen this backlash with all little compartments of my life, at home, with my friends, with my teachers in school, my university professors, uh, the people I have trained who are elder to me. But specifically speaking about what you've asked me, if I'm training someone who's younger than me, or my age, they are more likely to take me seriously. The best sessions that I've ever, ever had are talking to um, girls who are in college, right? Like talking to 18, 19, 20-year-old girls. Because number one, they understand why it's important for them to know about their rights because they also gauge nice understanding over the years. It's the most fruitful and open conversation to have. But like you said, a lot of teachers, and in fact, this is something we do here, very often, these teachers are like, you know, it's great that young girls are involved in this space, but it would be good if you had uh, an elder person, someone um, on your board who can be, um, you know, like, uh, who can guide you better, simply because, you know, like, there's this age. And one thing that Barkha, who is the founder of our organization, so when I joined, this is, this is a tip she gave me for facilitation. She said that in that classroom where we are teaching teachers about sex education, we are the teachers. So we have the right to respectfully act like one. 
in that classroom they are students so you know little things like and i understand because to be very honest to get someone my age to change their opinion is way easier than talking to someone who's 30 and above a parent a teacher who has lived and seen life more than we have they are way more rigid and they have a more stringent value systems so to get a breakthrough is difficult but i think my experience and the kind of support i have gone from the team in uh, the zero period um has helped me be able to navigate that space better but i think this thing that balpa said that in that room you are the teacher and you can act like it because you genuinely do know more than them in that space yeah so yeah. yes okay yeah so i guess it's 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 also the way you handle it right absolutely uh, absolutely so important wow so nice to talk to you simran i think you've kind of um, i like the way you've deconstructed you know um, and and kind of taken uh, me and of course the listeners and the viewers eventually um on how um it is perceived uh you know and what are the different aspects of uh sexuality and the comprehensive sexuality education uh specifically uh that uh, the zero period is kind of uh hoping to create an awareness about i think that's pretty pretty phenomenal thank you so much and uh good luck and i you know and i think uh what you along with the rest of your team at the period is doing is um is just the first step and you know and hopefully it will kind of have a a a much bigger impact it won't happen overnight it will take time but i'm sure it's eventually going to happen and wish you all the very best for uh pursuing your masters because then you you will come back and you will have that much more um uh, you know to of an understanding than what you already have to be able to then impart it you know so um so yeah no this has been a very very interesting um uh, interesting conversation thank you so much and now go enjoy the rest of your trip in goa <laughs> Thank you so much, Paya. Thank you for being so accommodative, and your line of questioning was so interesting. And I am so glad that uh, you're making a conscious effort to put our ideas on a global platform. I really do hope that this idea reaches out to more and more people, and that they are people who actually have the heart and the will to invest in this space because that's all that we need. You know, there is. there's so much intellect in this world there's just not enough people willing to invest in this sector so you know the the more the merrier we need all kinds of support so thank you so much again i really appreciate the fact that uh, you know this collaboration happened and that you are taking this idea to a global platform uh, so we definitely definitely really do appreciate <laughs> thank you so much simran yeah i mean if i can make a difference even in you know in a very small way uh as a platform um i would really be happy so so take care and i'll speak to you again soon thank you thank you no one
For more weekly conversations, do listen to Melting Pot on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. Follow us on YouTube and on Instagram at Podcast Melting Pot. So until the next episode, this is Pyle signing off. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.